Today is the final episode in our three-part series that has featured the stories of Matt and Cassie and Derek and Kaylee. These friends, despite the manipulation and lies by church leaders, found a way back to each other. Today, all four will join us to share the beautiful story of their reconciliation. I'm Jay Coyle, and this is the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast. I am all about blessed subtraction. There, there is a pile of dead bodies behind the Marsville bus. <laughs> and by God's grace, it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. You either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. You either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. All right, so we're excited to have this wonderful group of people back after hearing two compelling stories. So first, just thank you. Thank you, everyone, for being here. So we talked a little bit, uh, Derek, in your story and Kaylee's story about being put on church discipline. So I want to talk through, Derek and Kaylee, you both were very close with Matt and Cassie. So what did that do to the friendship when you got put on church discipline? When it initially happened, I reached out to Cassie and we just kind of talked through kind of the situations and things that had been going on. Cassie, was that before or after they had the meeting with Derek? After the meeting happened, we didn't speak. So that's, these were all okay. conversations prior to this formal church okay. discipline document. For, prior to the formal document. So I guess, yeah, right before they gave Derek the document saying that he was on church discipline. Cassie and I had talked just about what had happened and trying to like, I think I was just trying to deal with my fears of having to potentially leave the church if we couldn't get something figured out. And so I think that was the last time we spoke to each other for a few years. Yeah, I pretty um, clearly remember sitting in like a, in my car at Walgreens on the phone with Kaylee, who was just like in tears after what had been weeks and weeks and weeks of just torment. Um, and I think, I think I even remember saying at that point, I was getting ready to go out of town. So it was like the last time we were talking before I was leaving town and this meeting was coming up and, you know, Kaylee was saying like, I don't want to leave, but like, I don't know what to do. And I, I remember clearly saying, you know, like, I don't want you to go, but if you have to go, like I do what's best for you. Like, I don't want you to go and I'll be so sad if you go, but like, this is out of control. Right before the discipline meeting, I had, like I said before, reached out to Matt. Matt, I don't know what that was like for you at that time before I went into it. I, it was basically saying, should I apologize for my frustration in that small group meeting? What should I do? Yeah, so this meeting of yours with the pastor and the elder, and that happened on a Sunday, and Derek had called me on a Thursday, um, which I think was after the Tuesday. Yeah blow up. Right. Yeah. And I had texted you and said, what, you know, do you mind talking? You actually had wanted to defer a little bit. I said, I really need to talk to somebody. And you said, that's okay. And that's, I think that's why you took my call. Yeah. If you remember from our story, this was kind of right in the middle of the eldership candidacy for me. So I knew that Derek had already set his boundaries really solidly with me. There had been some lines crossed um, between myself and Pastor Andy pertaining to things that Derek had shared with me. I was kind of put in a position of vulnerability and feeling like I was required to divulge anything that could be potentially church-related. When Derek reached out to me to talk um, about the situation, it was I was just in a really tricky spot, feeling like I had to vouch for the church, but I also had to be honest with Derek about how he should approach this situation. And so that was my hesitancy. But after we talked, you know, I had heard Pastor Andy's side on this whole thing as well and felt like he was trying to do the best thing for Derek. And so I essentially told Derek to apologize, be humble as you go into this meeting, hear what they have to say, and try to smooth things over. And what I didn't know at the time was kind of the truth behind it, the history of what Pastor Andy and Derek had been talking about what Pastor Andy had been telling Derek about the whole situation and ultimately what they had planned to do that following Sunday. So in retrospect, 
my advice would have been significantly different. I think had I known a lot of, of what was coming. Yeah, that that's interesting. So even in both stories, it seems like there was this um, culture of, you know, we talk about the in crowd, but almost like um, sharing information about each other, right? With Pastor Andy and with leadership. So Matt, so did you feel pressured to share your conversations with Derek, with Andy? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely did. Derek and Pastor Andy were my two closest friends in the church at the time. I had heard, you know, intimate details about their struggles and about their successes for years prior to this. So I was very much close to both of them and very much in the middle of both of their like headbutting of each other. And so the thing that tipped the scales essentially was that I was in this elder candidacy with that came this power dynamic in protecting the church and protecting Pastor Andy and doing what was right for the church as an elder candidate, which, you know, goes into a deeper issue of manipulating this position that I was given to kind of forward Pastor Andy's agenda as far as Derek was concerned. So it really put me in a tricky situation because I knew both of them very well. But I felt because of the position I was in and pursuing at the time that I was obligated to then divulge more of what Derek had been telling me to Pastor Andy and not the other way. Well, and, and one other thing I'll say on that. So to be fair to Matt, I had it probably a month or two, maybe it was earlier than that, Matt had said to you, I need to step back a little bit because I feel like everything's coming back to Pastor Andy. And I get that you have this role, but I just need you to know that I can't trust you in that way. And I think that was really hard for you to hear. And I didn't realize the gravity of it. Obviously, up to that point, like I could sense the tipping scales there. So it was a little weird because I'm reaching out to you saying, I don't know what to do in this situation. And and because, you know, of where we lay at that time, you were closer to Andy at that time, just naturally by how that worked out. It was just tug of war between. And I said, I'm stepping back. So, I mean, I, I get why you were closer to him, too, at the time. It makes perfect sense. I mean, you were setting boundaries, and that was a fair boundary for you to set, considering the position that I was in, you know? Like, I felt kind of pressured to divulge a lot. You know, we th- throughout these podcasts, we've thrown around the word gossip a lot, and it was, like, a lot of gossip, and it hindered on, like, your productivity as a worship leader and your being a leader in the church and your ability to manage that and handle that. And because you were being so honest with me, there wasn't a clear delineation of what I should and should not be sharing with Pastor Andy. I mean, what did and did not pertain to your ability to lead well. And that was a lack of my discernment, I think, but it was a good boundary that you were setting. So kudos to you. This is tricky though, because I think like even the way you're talking about it, Matt, at the time you were very much just like, I want my friends to get along. These are my two closest friends. I want to get along. I want to help them see where the other person is coming from because I think that they're both doing the best they can here and I want to help them see the other's perspective. And I think that just blew up in your face so many times because not everybody in that dynamic was safe Mm -hmm. and was actually working towards building stronger relationships. And so you were trying to do the right thing we realized over time that it was only making things worse because you would say something, you know, to one of them and then it would get repeated. And then they would, the other person would be calling you being like, why did you say this about me? (laughs) Even though you were trying to like help each party be humble and open and caring. And it just, not all parties were capable of that. I think too, when I'm listening, Matt, what I'm hearing is you trying to manage a relationship where honestly, like it, I don't want to, speak for you, Derek, but I don't think at that time you felt like Pastor Andy wanted to know you or spend time with you or talk to you. So rather than going to you and having a relationship and figuring out how to fix things, he was going to Matt for information on how you were doing Mm -hmm. rather than like he could have just picked up the phone and called you. Yeah. And it probably we could have avoided so many issues. And we were told that this was, you know, we're talking about this because we care about Kaylee and Derek. We're going to talk about this because we care about them. We love them. And it was, oh, you know, that was our intention, but that intention was not mm-hmm. shared. You mean you, you were told 
we're going to talk about the character flaws or leadership flaws as a group, like as an inner circle to care for them, like with Pastor Andy? I think it was more of like Matt and I and Pastor Andy and his wife saw that Garrett and Kylie were really struggling. And they were. They were really struggling at the time that a lot of this was unfolding. And it was we were very concerned about them. We were expressing our concern about them. And that, although it seemed to be a shared concern, it's very obvious how that information was later used to not be loving. Yeah, it seems like there was just two different end goals in that conversation. Matt, you had the goal of like restoration and relationship being healthy and flourishing. And Pastor Andy had the end goal of making Derek feel like an awful human, is what it sounds like to me hearing your stories. I think part of that hesitation with wanting to talk to Derek on that Thursday night was like, all right, you have set your boundaries with me. I don't want, like, I'm going to try and protect myself here and not put myself in the middle of this argument anymore. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be in the middle anymore. And so it was probably part of that. But I think at that point, Pastor Andy had like already made up his mind of like what was coming a few days later. Like there was nothing I was going to say to Derek to make things to try and restore things and make things smooth, like smooth things over. Yeah. None of that was going to make any difference. I mean, they had a document. By I know it's clear. <laughs> Derek goes in, apologizes, and then they give him this church discipline. They'd made up their yeah. mind. Which is just a whole nother level of just trying to control. I mean, that whole document was just to keep you under their control. You need to do these specific things now. If you don't, we can basically kick you out. Yeah, it um, getting the document felt like the skies ripped open and there was no more. In a weird way, it provided an unbelievable amount of clarity, you know, because before I, I was losing my my dang mind. Like, I, I didn't know which way was up. Like I mentioned before, I you know, literally an hour before that meeting, I had this vision in my head of Derek, you are wrong. And you don't trust him enough. And you just need to start, you need to go buy a mountain bike and start mountain biking with Pastor Andy and just get to know him really, really well. And then you go into that and you go, nobody deserves that. I mean, like, if you feel that having a letter like that's going to convince somebody that they're wrong, like, and that be the kind, it just, it was just undeniably really messed up. That's not even the purpose of church <laughs> was- discipline. It's not to convince someone that they're wrong. It's to help them like even if you were sinning it's to come alongside them and to like work through their sin with them it's not a tool to hurt yeah. someone and i think this is the reason i didn't i didn't cry in the meeting and and i was just in more disbelief um it, the sense of clarity came from this was so out of left field so in a weird way i'm actually really thankful that they weren't smarter in it i, I mean i don't mean to be mean but like <laughs> they probably should have manipulated a lot better than that because it was so heavy handed that it was obvious that like something's wrong here. And, and I think that was, you know, while while Matt and Cassie are here, like the sense of betrayal I felt at the time was was huge, right? So I had literally three people in front of me and then Matt and then we mentioned uh, the childhood friend who I had confided in. And so I had a, basically a litany of five people and it was like, well, there's no way that this could be this concentric. Yeah, Matt, you were there for that conversation? No, 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 but like mentally there. Oh, okay. Yeah. mentally there so so it was because it was such a grandiose gesture it it was that definitely kicked off when i came back to talk to kaylee i said like there's been a coordinated effort at this and you couldn't refute that right i mean whether it was for good or for ill it, it was definitely coordinated and now i of course uh, matt mm-hmm. i have no idea how much you were involved in that if you even knew that that was going to happen or what you were told afterwards but the weirdest thing was you know, being so close to Pastor Andy, being a part of this elder candidacy, being privileged to some of these conversations, I was not privy to any of this. I was privy to Pastor Andy being broken for Derek, wanting to like help them, um, but not seeing another way to do it. You know, it was this sob story of like being so like such a shepherd, right? Being such a shepherd for them that he's such a martyr. Oh, totally. Yeah, he made I mean he really did. He made himself into like I'm I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to handle this. 
Did he ever say his job was really hard? My job's so hard. Did he ever say that? <laughs> um, well, this was after, I think, like, the year he took his sabbatical for oh, the first okay. time. So it wasn't hard? So... Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, well... <laughs> that's my favorite one they do. My job's so hard. So hard. I, that was a common chorus, I think, throughout his years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't privy to any of this, right? But I was allowed in the room for certain other conversations that uh, met the agenda of Pastor Andy. So he would use me to to create this narrative and and fulfill his agenda. But when it came to being on on the same page as far as what was going to happen with Derek and Kaylee, I had no idea. But he would always call you after these conversations and be like, here's what happened. It's, you know, and so even I think even after that Sunday occurred, and I think, I think Derek had maybe told Matt what had happened. And then, no, I, yeah. oh no, so, but Pastor Andy immediately called Matt and was like, you know, Derek said, you said these things about me. Is that true? <laughs> and here's all the things, you know, here's what happened in our meeting. And it was like, you're, you know, you're an elder candidate and you're not privy to any of this information happening beforehand. But then afterwards, when there's a come down, you're getting a call about all these terrible things that happened and how awful it was. And, you know, here's what's going to happen next. And so it was never, if anybody should have been church discipline for being divisive, it, it was all of us because we were all doing that kind of gossipy, call each other, tell everybody everything. It was not in no way unique to Derek. What we call that, that phone call that Matt got is writing the narrative. That's what was happening when you got that phone call. He's getting to you first. He's setting the stage for how it went. He's tearing down Derek's character and your friendship. Even if Derek had called you, you would already be biased one direction because you already heard one side of it. So you guys have this meeting. You guys do not talk again, correct? Well, I'd like to know. So you guys, we know from your story, uh, Derek and Kaylee, you guys kind of just like go radio silent and are like, bye. Yeah. Well, so it's for a week. And then we text. I think I, I texted you guys, too, because you weren't in the original church discipline meeting. So I, I did text Matt. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. Hey, I feel God is calling us to another direction. But we didn't talk verbally. Right. And it was like the meeting was on Sunday. We had a decision and we sent it Friday afternoon. Okay. So Matt and Cassie, what were you guys, what was communicated to you guys as a church or you guys as friends? So as I mentioned, I was out of town when like from like that Thursday through like that Sunday or that Monday. So I'm like in San Francisco, Matt's in Missouri. I'm on the phone. Like, don't speak to either of them. <laughs> they are losing their minds. Do not get involved in this. Stop getting involved in this. You're too nice. Like you're like, this is going to blow up in your face because it already had so many times. It had blown up in our face. We'd been put in the middle over and over and over and over again. And that, like, that conversation that happened prior to the Sunday, so I don't know, Thursday or whatever, prior to the church discipline meeting was when, like, that happened. And then Sunday afternoon, Matt got the phone call that, you know, here's all the things that Derek said you said about me. Did you say those things? At that point, we were like, great. Now, we, like, you know, now we've been betrayed by both sides. <laughs> um, we're t we can't tell any, we can't say anything to anyone safely because then it just gets weaponized against the other person because they're in such a toxic relationship with each other that we could say, we could say, you know, Pastor A is rainbows and sunshine. And Derek would be like, you're rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> like, because their relationship had just gotten to a place where it was like so toxic. And like, we saw the validity in both sides of these stories, right? Like, it was very clear to us that this was something that was happening between them that was really unhealthy and that we are getting drug into it. And I think the whole time we saw like, this is not about us, you know, like they're not doing this to hurt us. We're just casualties in this like war they have going on. So I think after the Sunday happened and Matt can speak to like the phone call from pastor a, but you know, I kind of heard through the grapevine, you know, this is what had happened. I think maybe Pastor A even called me too. It was, you know, we just wanted to let you know what happened. Um, we had a meeting with Derek. We, you know, we presented, you know, kind of what had been going on to him. He refused to repent. So we gave him, we tried to, like, we told him he was under church discipline and he refused to sign the document. Which is funny because I said, I just need to think about it. I actually didn't tell him I wouldn't sign it. <laughs> I just said, well, I need to think and pray about this. And then stood up and left. 
It was like a I I vaguely recall someone saying like it and it didn't go well. <laughs> At that point, I was like, I'm not. I cannot. Like, I can't say anything to anybody because no matter what I say. It's not going to be heard as anything positive at this point. Matt and I have been so put in the middle of this, no matter what we say, it's not going to do anything to change how bad the situation now is. At that point, I mean, I was like heartbroken because I was like, what is happening here? Within that first week that Derek mentioned before this text was sent that they were leaving, you know, Pastor A had reached out and we were having conversations about like, help me understand, like, what is church discipline? I'm a new believer. Like, I haven't been a believer very long. What is church discipline? Where in the Bible is this? Where can I find it so I can read it and understand it myself? Where can I like educate myself? Because I have no idea what any of this means. And it was very clearly like, you know, in the Bible, it says, you know, you talk to somebody and if they aren't willing to repent, you know, then you ask them again. If they're still not willing to repent, then you treat them like an unbeliever. So from now on, because Derek's unwilling to repent, we need to be treating them as unbelievers. And the only time that we're ever going to talk to them is if you're calling them to repentance. Shoot, this was actually said to you? Yes, multiple times. I had no idea this happened. <laughs> Did he say what their sin was? Did he say this was the sin that was... I think it was like <laughs> being like contentious or something like that. Yeah, like, a spirit of device. It was like a spirit yeah. of divisiveness. Right. And the, ex- the, the bullets were like speaking his friend, his childhood friend. I can't remember if they mentioned speaking to Matt. I think that was on there. I'm not, they put Matt on there. And then another one was like talking to people on the worship team about, about pastor Andy, which ironically each, each interaction was like me saying, you need to go talk to pastor Andy. So apparently that counts as talking to people on the worship team about pastor Andy. So it was like these three things or whatever. This is the second instance of, so he says that to you then. I didn't know that. I mean, over this time, I was like, what do I do? Like, I don't know what's up, what's down. I'm not a pastor. Like, how am I supposed to know how any of this works? You know, so I'm I'm trying to dig into it and figure out what it means all while being told, you know, they chose to walk away. They left their family. They're, cho- they're choosing this. They are choosing not to address their sin, which had not been explained to me. What was the sin? They have not, you know, addressed their sin and they are choosing to walk away and to leave. And I remember, I even said this to Matt. I've said this to multiple people. It was like, I don't, I don't, this doesn't make sense to me. And so I don't really know what's right and what's wrong here. So to make sure that I like have time to understand this better, I'm just not going to do anything because I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm reaching out because that's what my emotions are telling me to do. And then, you know, I'm all of a sudden sinning or I don't want to, you know, call them to repentance if I don't actually think they sinned and did anything wrong that was worth calling church discipline to. So I'm going to sit back here. I'm going to process this and try to figure this out. And before I really had time to do that was when we got kind of like a a generic, like clearly like a group text that went out that was like, you know, God's calling us elsewhere. We've decided to leave. And the narrative that we got fed about that was, look, they're running. They're running. But he just called him a divisive sinner that we should shun and now he's saying they're running so it's weird it's a weird i would think he'd be like good they're sinners get them out of the building (laughs) well it's never said like that right it's like we desire relationship we desire health and goodness and restoration here and for us to get to that end we're gonna need to completely cut them off so this was well okay so real quick so i'm curious about this so matt cassie you guys get this messaging from uh, Pastor Andy. And then was anything, did anything else go out to the church in general? Or was it just like the inner sanctum, like the inner circle? Like how did that, what was the messaging that way? It was the same messaging. They chose not to repent. They left their family. And if you speak to them, you need to call them to repentance. And if you don't, you are wrong. And it was never widely distributed. Like it wasn't, said from the pulpit on Sunday. It wasn't sent out to everyone. It was everyone close to you guys, everyone who might potentially reach out. That was the messaging. So most of the church, because it was 60 people and we knew most of them pretty well. (laughs) It was probably three quarters of the church, to be honest. But it was said like individually, not as like a mass like memo to the church yeah personalized it was um but it was very clear and it was very consistent did anybody ask you guys because you were honestly probably the closest to us 
I mean, we went on that backpacking like thing on Memorial Day weekend together. So people knew we were still friend friends really good up to this point. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had gone into our Thursday night phone call hesitant. I left that phone call feeling really positive about how your Sunday meeting was going to go. And then immediately after your meeting, I was met with, what did you tell Derek? And I'm like, I don't know what you mean. Like, I, this is a shock to me. If, because it was made out that you threw me under the bus, that you blamed me for a lot of stuff that, I mean, you were made into a instigator here. Like you were the bad person. It was nothing that Pastor Andy did. You threw me under the bus and divisiveness was sown between you and me and it didn't end well. And then I was scared. Like I was like, I was hurt. I was angry. I was pissed off. I was like, we left that phone call really good and you threw me under the bus. Like I'm pissed off. Like I don't want to talk to you. Good, like good riddance. You know, like I, I think that was like probably harsh, but I was really trying to, like Cassie said earlier, trying to like sow some reconciliation between you guys. And I thought that was going to happen. And then the story was drawn up to make you the aggressor and make you into the bad guy. And that just made me super angry because it made me feel like you didn't care what I had to say and that you just disregarded everything that I had suggested. Thinking that I, having been in the middle of you two, like knew the best, right? And so I was just like super offended. And then when Pastor Andy kept saying like, don't talk to them unless you're going to call them to repentance. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't, I don't want to reach out to them. Like, I don't want, like if, if Derek threw me under the bus, then obviously he has an issue with me and I'm not going to be the one to then call you to repentance. Like that's not my place anymore. I have a clarifying question. So Matt and Cassie, you had not shared all of the details with them regarding a lot of the conversations you had had. You felt put in the middle without knowing all of one side, correct? But knowing a whole bunch of stuff and stories on the other side. Am I reading this correctly? Yeah, I mean, we knew a lot of Derek and Kaylee's side. We were close mm-hmm. to them and we knew a lot of their story up until that Sunday meeting. And then we were fed 100% from Pastor Andy's side. And we did not really ever hear Derek and Kaylee's side. And so (laughs) we didn't know a whole lot from Pastor Andy's side until much later. So we trusted him. We trusted him, him, what he was telling us. Yeah, we trusted that Mm -hmm. he went through this biblical discipline process. It was conveyed to us very clearly that there were multiple missteps that were addressed verbally to Derek about his sin, if we want to put that on it. And so we had no other reason, especially because Derek apparently threw me under the bus in this meeting, we had no other reason than to believe that what Pastor Andy was telling us was the truth. And so we believed it. And it was really tricky because all this conflict was happening between Matt, Derek, and Pastor Andy. So Kaylee and I are like on the outside watching this happen between all of our husbands. Like, this isn't safe for us to like now have a conversation, the two of us. Like, what are what is going to come of this, you know? And so we didn't even have a chance to talk. So like all the communication just ceased at that point. How bizarre is it now, like looking into this outside of it for you guys to be like, what the heck were we involved in? Because all of this seems so ridiculous, right? You're like, we could have just picked up the phone and just dealt with this. But we all, like, it sounds, it feels like all of you are living under so much fear and shame and... (laughs) You were acting out of that <laughs> space, sketch, and it man. is a weird, weird place to end up, right? <laughs> like, it doesn't sound like a space. Just from the few conversations I've had with all of you separately, it doesn't seem like a place that is like where you naturally lay in conversations or land in conversations. Like, you all seem very capable of communicating well and being thoughtful in your in the way you speak and the way you talk, and you seem mature so i'm just i'm wondering (laughs) mostly mature i'm wondering like on the outside now looking back 
do you look at that and be like, we were in a tornado? I think fear is the right word, truthfully. I just had so much fear of what I could or couldn't say and so much fear that what I would say would be used against me. Um, and so I was I was afraid to even talk to Matt and Cassie after everything that happened because I was afraid that they'd go tell Pastor Andy something else about us that we were trying to do wrong. And so that's why when Derek and I left, we were like, we're just going to leave quietly because they're accusing us of being divisive, which we have not been. And then if people want to know the true story, like they can reach out, but we're not going to go put that out there because we don't want to prove that we're doing the thing they're, they're accusing us of doing because we're not. I had actually a couple of close people who asked me who were in my MC and I told them at this time, I don't think it would be a smart idea to say anything other than God has moved me to another place. You know, I think looking back, it's almost as if I think an interesting component, at least in our case, is that Pastor Andy has something deeply, there's something deeply wrong going on, right? And and we pray for him to get help and to seek like guidance and help and a new profession, all that jazz. I would almost say in a weird way, we are, when you fall into a person's church like this or organization, you are in their play. You have roles and you have parts. And if you step out of that, there will be hell to pay. And there's not three-dimensional understanding and giving and taking of grace. Um, and so ever since when I look back, what's weird is it casts the shadow on all my relationships now. I don't know, Matt and Cassie, if you feel this or Kaylee, but um, it's really jaded me in a lot of situations that I'll talk to someone and, be, and I've had non-believers who've come to me and said, hey, you don't need to be afraid of what that person thinks of you, right? Like speak up and say what you really think in this situation. Well, when you join one of these institutions, you can't speak up. You've been given your part. And if you're in that part long enough, that is who you are, unless you have the, you know, the luckiness to get one of the lead roles. And so I think looking back, it, it was very much a puppet show and it was very much we had roles. Um, so it's freedom now. At the same time, you look back and you're like, you know, was I in a cult? I think I was in a cult. Right. And and so I, I don't know, Matt, Matt Cassie, Kaylee, if that's kind of how you look at it. Yeah, I mean, it was we look back on it now and it was. I wish I had reached out to them sooner or, you know, I didn't, I was in Cassie did. I was encouraged by her to reach out because I was past it. It had been years since we, this had happened. It had been years since we had spoken. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I need to reconcile this. And, you know, I was still uh, in a space of believing that what had occurred had some truth to it. You know, now in retrospect, having, spoken to Derek about the whole situation, I realized that I was lied to numerous times over and over about multiple things pertaining to their discipline. It just it just pisses me off. Like, yeah, I don't know how we got ourselves into that position. I tend to be like a a very peaceful person. Like I don't tend to like conflict in my relationships. And that was a very troubling time for me i mean i don't have bad relationships with people i like i i don't in my whole life i've never had bad relationships if i don't get along with you we just don't have a relationship but it's not bad to have a bad relationship was hard for me i didn't like being in conflict with my friends with people who i trusted and people i relied on and people i confided in especially because i felt in the middle for months if not years between the issues that Derek and Pastor Andy were having and I just felt like between a rock and a hard place and I realize now that much of the decisions that were made at that time were just lies. So when did you Matt and Cassie when did you reach out what year was it when you reached out to Derek and Kaylee finally? Um, I reached out several times I think the first time was maybe 2019 probably like probably six months after we left or yeah so. not long after um and it wasn't well received um and i i had a lot of like pain about them leaving just a lot of pain it was hard for us like shortly after they had left we had our second kid we were you know as we've described becoming we had started our own MC. We had become kind of increasingly isolated. 
And so, you know, the other close relationship I had in the church was not doing well either. So I felt very alone. And so I think that prompted that first message about six months later that wasn't really well received. And I took that as confirmation of, oh, wow, they're really not healthy. You know, like maybe they're not actually healthy. And like, maybe I, this doubt that I had that something wasn't quite right here, maybe I'm just confused or I don't fully understand what happened, you know? And so I kind of took it as evidence of like, okay, I guess this is done. And I just couldn't let it go. Like I told Derek and Kaylee about this recently. Like I would have nightmares about them where I would like wake up and just be like heartbroken (laughs) over like, and it wasn't like a, a bad dream. It was like a dream about them that then like I woke up so distressed. I just struggled. Like I had never had the relationship that I had with Kaylee is like not like most other relationships I've had, like just a very like open and genuine and like loving and non-judgmental relationship. I've not had that with very many people. And those like close relationships for me, like I don't have a lot of family. So like my friendships are really, really important to me and like mean a lot. Um, So I think I like really, really hung on to that. And I think the further Matt and I got to moving um, in the beginning of 2020, Sorry, we we moved at the end, like towards the end of 2020, the fall of 2020. But as we got closer to that point in time, we, at that point, we knew like, we're done with this church. This is not a healthy place for us. You know, like things are bad here. And I realized like, this is kind of my last opportunity to like, actually live out the gospel in the way I want to with lovingness and with humility and with unity as the like central tenet of that when for so long I had felt so uncared for at our current church and just like alone and thinking like I just have to try like at the end of the day like I just want to be faithful to the gospel and like if this fails it fails but at least I tried and I can move forward so yeah I sent Kaylee an email I think um a few weeks before we were moving um because what had been said to me in the previous email was like, I, I can't speak to you if you're still or like, I can't have a relationship with you. And so part of what I was thinking was like, well, you know, I'm technically still here, but I'm leaving. <laughs> so, you know, maybe this is worth one more shot. So Kaylee, you get that email. Walk us through when did that interaction finally take place with the four of you? Yeah. So that first email, I was just not ready. It, it was just all too raw still. You would think after six months it wouldn't be, but it definitely still was. And I was just afraid of getting pulled back in. So then, well, I guess it was just shy of two years after we'd left when Cassie reached back out. We had like literally just moved into a new house and we're like tearing down wallpaper off of every wall. Um, and I get this email and I'm just like, ah, what do I do? And I need to be honest about something. I think I've told you this before, Cassie, but I had been like probably once a month stalking you on Twitter or whatever else um, just to see where you were at in life because I was not ready to not be your friend even if I wasn't. And so I knew that they were getting close to leaving. And then I was also watching Zillow for their house to get listed. (laughs) So then I saw what it was. So I knew that it was getting close. So then I get this email and it's like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I was like, well, they're leaving. I got nothing to lose. Um, so we, I think, just met um, at a trail we have here in town. I think we walked about five miles and just kind of talked through where we were now. But also, we did kind of go through what had happened. In my mind, Matt and Cassie were part of it. Like, they were on Team Andy and they were... Um, aggressors along with him like they had all conspired together to make this happen and it was so validating to have her change that narrative in my mind and tell me what really happened and then also to tell me that she felt very uncomfortable with what had happened to us because she was literally the first person from that church to I don't want to say side with us but even just to like first of all listen to us and second of all tell us like yeah we didn't think that was great either so it was incredibly validating and it just kind of has progressed from there. I think Matt and Derek went on a walk maybe later that week. You guys had a fantastic conversation. I wasn't expecting that. I, you know, in Matt, I ran into you probably nine months after. We were we literally had, like adopting so our dog. It was around the nine months to a year after we had left. 
and it was at Petco, I remember. And I looked at you and I like barely said anything. And it took everything in me because I wanted to be friendly. But I was like, no, like, I can't do it. I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to ignore him. Like, just we're adopting a dog. And I was just like, I'm just going to blow. I'm like, I don't know you anymore. Like, you betrayed me, right? So we're both feeling this betrayal moment. So when Cassie and Kaylee had a fantastic conversation, um, I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe Matt actually feels the same way. So I can't remember, Matt, did you reach out to me first? Did I reach out to you? Did I text? What happened? I think Cassie probably just the screws enough for me to like finally reach out to you. I was hesitant. I think Cassie and Kaylee had two or three or four conversations. I think they had met up in person a couple of times. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like I was, I think I was still holding on to a lot of like the bitterness that I had assuming that you really like threw me under the bus, you know, like, I think I, I, that was still the truth that I was holding on to. And so I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to reach out to you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't have anything to say. Like, I feel I'm still very offended by this even years later. So it was obviously a very like impactful moment, but. And we, we, Matt and I are deep emotional people so we had some good trips before and like just really related heart to heart so we ended up going on a walk as well on the trail i remember meeting up and my heart was just like beating out of my chest when i got out and saw you and we make awkward small talk and we we started going on this walk and i remember correct me if i'm wrong on this you were still i think on the fence about how toxic everything was right like cassie would it be fair to say cassie was probably two steps ahead of you in She's really upset. And I remember you started it off by saying to me, I just want to start by saying, I realized that I didn't get to hear your side of the story and I'm so sorry. And I, I thought that, that that first move was incredibly like healing. And then you began to talk about how things were. Is is this like vibing with what you remember? Yeah, totally. Yep. I think I think you still were now. I remember like, I mean, you are lo- you are loyal with like all caps. <laughs> you're like the photo of the dog that like goes to the cemetery and lays on its owner's grave right like that is you 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 freeze to death in the snow and so like i think for you like it was bro i didn't hear both sides of this and i think correct me if i'm wrong on this you were still like look i people can i still remember you said a couple things people in the church and in the other acts 29 church in town said that how he handled this wasn't okay there's a consensus that that wasn't right. Um, I think that he's still trying really. So you weren't, I think, ready yet to fully say, wow, that was a really toxic place. But you were also very like, how can we work together to like mend some friendship? And I'm so sorry I didn't listen to yourself. Like, that's that's what I remember. Yeah, I mean, I had heard um, from Cassie what Kaylee and her had talked about. Um, it started working a little bit of doubt in my mind to what we had heard from pastor Andy and and others in the church. And I thought at the very least, Cassie had a great point that we were moving. This was the last opportunity to do this face to face. So at the very least, I need to hear you out because it had been years and I had not heard your story, your side of the story. And there were at least a couple or three things that you said that were very shocking and eye opening to me that, directly contradicted the story that I had been told from Pastor Andy at that time. And so that's when I realized like fully that that had been an absolute terrible decision, had been handled wrong, had been completely unfair to you guys to be so isolated for years, to be totally cut off. And that's when I started really regretting not having reached out to you sooner to just hear your side of the story. And I think that's what's the hardest part for me is like the years that we lost because we were such good friends and we had gone on so many trips and we had done all these things like we just vibed so well together that we had missed so much of that and like so much we all had young kids so like we missed three years of our kids growing up you guys weren't around when our second son was born but we had like been some of the first people to like the hospital to see your kids and you had been the first people to see our first and it was just like we had missed all these opportunities because we were just fed these lies 
and then believe them and then were unwilling to go against the flow of the church and the rhetoric and the agenda that they had. And I think that's what I regret the most through the whole thing. You know, though, dude, like, if there's anything I can give you to give you solace and peace at this is like, at the time, I was like, are they skeeving? Are they conniving? That was how I felt day to day. I don't know where you feel now about this, but I look at that block of time from August 2018 to when you guys reached out to us. And I, in a weird way, just view it as if you were, you were like locked up in solitary confinement somewhere. Like, I don't, I don't see that as like you conniving at all. Once I heard the full story of what happened to you guys and, and know of what's happened with how you were lied to and manipulated, it, I literally hold no, if that helps, I hold no grudge or anger against you in that. Like you were literally used like a puppet. So if there's any, anything that can hope and help you in healing in that, just know that I don't hold it well. I mean, you were used. Yeah. I appreciate hearing that. And it doesn't change the fact that we were still in that toxic environment for three years and still like unable to pay attention to the red flags and do anything about it. But that's not true. That's not true. No, I saw plenty of. No, we flags. saw them. Absolutely. Yeah. It was through this. It was the the few years that you were out that really started Cassie and I having these conversations about. Okay, maybe that's not right. Maybe that's not right. Maybe that's mm-hmm. not right. Um, but still being unwilling think- to like walk away. You know. That's not true because we walked away from the eldership process because we didn't like how this was handled and we didn't feel like there was appropriate accountability. So. Yeah, no, we should have left 100%. But like, it, I hate this, you know, because I, when I first met up with Kaylee, she was kind of under this assumption that I was like blind to all of these things. And I've been having issues since far before they even left. And I think they were, they tried to convince me that like, no, you know, like these things aren't as bad, you know, as you're, you think they are. I just, I didn't feel believed, you know, when I raised these red flags. So later when I, when it was kind of this Kaylee and Derek thought that we just were kind of like blinded and taken captive. It was like, well, that's not actually accurate at all. Like I see these things, maybe not to the extent that I do now, like differently now, but I still saw those things. So we were very much having conversations in the middle of these, the time that they had been gone of like, that was not handled appropriately. We didn't like that. We're not having conversations in private with pastor a anymore. Like it was just a slow building of things. So you know, to say that we just like this terrible thing happened and we never did anything with it would not be like totally accurate, in my opinion. I will say this, though. I will. OK, so I'm going to I'm going to raise you one thing on this. You have the you have the hindsight now to look back and say that was bananas <laughs> crazy. Right. So when you're in it and you have moments of turbulence, you're like on the plane and they tell you turbulence is normal. Well, it's like only afterwards you find out that the pilot was drunk the whole time, right? So then you're like, oh my God, what? <laughs> how did I not see that? Like, why didn't I think? So I would agree. Yes, you saw red flags. And probably every person in that church right now has had at least three times. If you've been there at least a year, you've had three times where you've wondered, maybe I should get the hell out of here, right? And so times that by how many years you've been there. So you have those moments and you have those flags in which you're, which you're, conditioned and coached to believe is that, well, every church has problems. Well, yeah, every church has problems, but not every church is led by a narcissistic leader. And so, you know, I had so many times that I told Kaylee, you think we should leave? And we talked ourselves out of it. So I think, yeah, complicit, sure. But it takes on a different shade of like hindsight being 2020 to see the 360 narrative. I've been in situations before where I've had bad employers or people. And I can look back and go, okay, certain dimensions of them were unhealthy. But this person in these churches that are led by these people are 360 unhealthy. And it's only until you get out of them that you go, that whole thing was toxic, not sort of toxic, really toxic. I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking for you and I need to quit mansplaining. Kaylee, save me, please. I think everybody probably had some intuition that something was wrong. And, but everybody also was, there was a level of spiritual abuse going on here. Well, there was a lot of spiritual abuse where you're using not only the sacred text, but the position, just the idea of what it means to be a Christian and manipulating that to control individuals for some sort of gain for this individual, this pastor. 
and control and power. He was doing this on purpose. So it's like it's hard to it's hard to sit there and say that no one was at fault. So it's hard to like understand what was happening when you're in it. But I bet there was discernmentship on everybody in this group because you're all very smart. But the spiritual abuse aspect, it made it so hard to just turn away and say, I'm going to leave. So like, and it makes you doubt yourself. Yeah. So like I look at this and I'm like, I think all four of you were screwed. No offense, because because you were out of church and you put trust in the fact that we're going to follow the shepherd because we believe in yes. Jesus and Jesus yes. is the chief shepherd. And this man is going to he's he's dedicated his life to serving like Christ did. So, Absolutely. And yep. he didn't do that. Anyways, that's just my thought. So, yeah, and every personality is going to handle that differently too. Every soul and human is going to handle that t- that level of manipulation and abuse differently. So, like where Cassie, you're like, we need to deal with this. We got to have these conversations. This is driving me crazy. Like, what's going on? I see danger. Matt strikes me more as someone who needs to sit back and like intake and process and weigh things. So I'm sure that was really hard for for you guys. And I mean, Derek and Kaylee, you guys were just had mud shoveled on top of you guys. Like you're doing the same thing Matt and Cassie are doing while trying to come out from the mud too. So there is no right answer because you guys weren't the ones doing the wrong. And you like thank God that you aren't in that anymore. And yeah, I wish that we could have had this conversation seven years ago, longer ago, and gotten y'all parachuted in and rescued you out before now. But it's funny, just not what happened. Sometimes I'm like, I just wish we would never have gone to that church. Or I just I just wish Derek had not been so winsome when Matt and Cassie visited the first time. Maybe they wouldn't have stayed. And like, but that's life, right? Like life is the journey and like I never want anyone else to have to deal with the abuse that we had to endure but like I got really good friends out of it and I learned so much about myself and about how I can trust Derek and how I can trust God and how I can trust my own intuition to raise the red flags so like this is all sucked but I'm so grateful to have two really good friends and to have survived so sometimes I am like oh this shouldn't have happened but most days I'm like I'm happy that we're here now. I wouldn't do it. I I might do it. Again. I don't think I'd do it again. <laughs> You're here now in spite of what you guys went through, not because right. of what you went through. Right. And I think the irony of the whole thing is that all the issues that were conceived as divisive that Derek brought up with Pastor Andy were issues that persist. They're issues that we saw. They were issues that we agree with. And I think that's like the whole irony in the whole thing is that he was not the only one who saw all these issues. He just took the whipping that he didn't deserve Mm -hmm. for, you know, raising the red flags, you know, and bringing the red flags to light. But there's still issues that persist in that church. There's still issues that persist with Andy. Like nothing has changed in the years and years that it's been since this church discipline. So it's, And I think that was one of the things that we realized on our walk was, wow, okay, we see eye to eye. We do see these things and you're not wrong. And again, like, we're just sorry that this happened to you and that we weren't able to to walk with you through it better. Cassie, um, if I can say anything to you, I, I think one thing I've always wanted to say is I'm really sorry that this was one of the first experiences with the church you had. That just sucks. Um, and I don't know, I just want you to find a place that like loves you as well as some of the friends that we've made in our church right now, like who love Jesus and aren't weird. Um, I hope you also can find a place that isn't like weird when they meet people for the first time at church. Like, oh God, I just, I, I'm, I'm really praying and I'm hoping that for you and Matt, of course, Matt, you'll, you'll get along with anybody because you get along with any denomination and you're all chill. But I just, I, I really, for for Cassie's spiritual goodness, like to see people who, who just passionately love Jesus. That was great. So what advice would you give to people that are hearing similar narratives 
to what all four of you've heard about friendships and church discipline, ignoring people. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I've taken away from my experience is no matter like what the narrative is, if people are leaving the church that you're a part of for whatever reason, never to be spoken to again, never to be reached out to, if comments are made to you like, you know, they chose to walk away, they chose to abandon their family, things just aren't going to be the same anymore because they chose to leave, get out of there as fast as you can. Like, that is not an indication of God's church. That is not an indication of a healthy place. So I think looking back on that, that would be the advice that I would give is, you know, no matter what you're told about why someone left or what's going to happen after they leave, if anybody is telling you what your friendship should look like when that person walks out that door, put a red flag up and just keep that there. I think for me, like just do your due diligence. What we found out here is that even this pastor who we had a lot of faith and trust in both as a shepherd and as a leader and as a friend, uh, we were completely manipulated and lied to. And I think uh, had we done our own due diligence to reach out, to be bold, to be peacemakers, uh, we could have reconciled this relationship much sooner and with honesty. And I think it would have given us a lot more clarity about the church structure that we were in and potentially would have led us down a different path. So, I, you know, I would say just like hear both sides and do your due diligence, do what you feel is best, do seek unity, like Cassie said earlier, and and seek out those stories, seek out both sides. Um, you cannot take the honesty of just one side as the only honesty that there is out there. I think my um, advice may be more pointed to the people who are doing the leaving. Um, and I think, Jonna, you do a good job of this, of saying, like, you don't need to prove your story is true because it's yours. Um, so what I would tell those people to do is to trust what they experienced, write it all down so that they don't forget what happened, and then go find a really good therapist and talk through it all with them. And take things as you feel able. Because you might cry every day for eight months and that's okay. You know, and it might hurt still three and a half years later and that's okay. Because it's a sign you really cared about the church you were in and a sign you really cared about doing something big. And so take the time you need and just don't give up on God and don't give up on healing because it can come. I think mine would be twofold. My first would be, um, you know, scripture is very clear. It says in James that not many of you should be teachers. Um, scripture is very clear on qualifications for elders. When you don't have a lot of older people in your congregation and the person in charge has not had and been shepherded by somebody, there are a lot of red flags with that. There should be somebody who has been under the tutelage, tutelage, the tutelage of many people for a very long time, um, which of course this goes in contrast to Acts 29 of, hey, do you meet these checkboxes? Great. Why don't you hop in and lead a church? Um, if you start having doubts, if you start having family who say, hmm, your pastor doesn't X, Y, Z, that's a really big red sign, like a red flag. You should take that very seriously. In fact. I'm going to challenge you to dip your toes in the water and see what happens if you decide that, you know, I want to check out some other churches. Is your pastor encouraging to you? Is he pouring into you and excited for your spiritual growth as you expand your horizons? Or does he start questioning why you would ever look around other than his, like, shepherd and his field? Um, so the character of the person leading is so vital. And you should look around, and he, sh he they should be held to a higher a higher um, standard. And if they can't hack that, if you see an anger at looking at what's behind the curtain, you need to run like mad. Run. Like God is not going to judge you for that. It would be better to err on the side of safety um, and get your family out of there. Um, I think on the other side, I would say to the people who are going through this again, um, 
like we said at the end of ours, I'm I'm so sorry. This is wrong. Um, what Kaylee said about a therapist is really important. And um yeah, I think I think it's just being judicious and uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say after that. I probably only had one thing. <laughs> no, I think that's good. And the four of you are friends today. He, friendship's been reconciled. You are talking regularly, correct? Like we're going to see each other soon. Really? Yeah. yeah we're flying. Are we flying or driving? We're, we're driving, driving 14 we're hours crazy. to Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're driving out. For we're super break. excited. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a. <laughs> I'm actually flying there Pending tomorrow. The, snow. So wow. the weather allows. So that to me, that's like a, that's an awesome sign about, rec- I mean, you know, that's true reconciliation. You know, you had a, you had a fight, you, you listened to each other. You forgave each other, you love each other, and you're you're moving forward together uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And what a beautiful story, and what a beautiful sign of reconciliation, and also what hope it gives for people in similar situations that this type of reconciliation is is true and righteous and is what God wants and what he calls us for and is a beautiful symbol of grace and love. Um, and what all of you went through was not only horrible and abusive— but it is not representative of the kingdom in any way. I think something that's been really interesting is one of the things that they instill in you, you know, actually in churches is like, this is your family, right? This is what you do everything with. So oftentimes when you leave, there's the threat of losing your family, of losing everyone in your network that you spend time with, that your kids spend time with, that you do everything with. And so I think for so long, you know, whether we wanted to admit it or not, that was a fear of mine and Matt's. We, we were completely isolated away from our family. You know, that was our family. And we spent so much time being scared of what would happen if we chose to, le- to leave. And we did leave, you know, perhaps on what's considered good terms by some churches because we moved. We still lost everyone. No one spoke to us. Even the pastor who said he was one of our best friends didn't speak to me for a year. So the fact that after everything that could have happened with Derek and Kaylee, that those are the people that we've talked to so consistently since we've left, really, I think, just says a lot about the health of that church, one, but what it, what things actually look like when you're actually pursuing the gospel and not what this person's idea of what the gospel is. So when you're actually pursuing Jesus, this is what happens. I cannot hold up my head, my friend, my love. It has been low for a while. I used to believe in the idea that we were all here for a reason. But now, I see another beginning that was covered by those that cannot acknowledge their own story. We break bitter bread when our feet stumble forward in the blindness of the night. My friend, my love, will you speak to me if I cannot hold on? I am consumed by this fear that I am not worthy to stand with you. Conditioned to this fall, I have spilled all my secrets on the ground, exposed but not known. My friend, my love, where did you go with my confessions? I can only see the backs of men, and as I weep, they offer me a drink from a trough of their own hatred. I can part ways with this place, four walls and crumbling corners. But my friend, my love, I need to hold you close again because this path is filled with so much I cannot shoulder alone. My love, my friend, where do we start? Can I confess my way? The road that was cleared by a system that wanted my presence, but only at the cost of my own soul. I followed, yes. I listened, yes, but the root of our distrust was grown in a soil cultivated by the bones of lies. Books with empty pages spoken with a belief that we cannot question all who go away. A godless day of remembrance for each soul that cannot find its way home. My love, my friend, in the puddle of anger and tears, I find myself here waiting for you to return. 
My friends, this voidless beginning was never meant to speak for me. Truth cannot be held by the aspirations of deceitful men. Their idols are stored at the steps of their own temples, each one carefully built to hold back love. The hands of fools only know how to build things that will decay to nothing, dirt on dirt, forgotten and swept away. My friends, you will remain pillars of the king and his kingdom. You were made to be loved in the presence of each other. I will rebuild what the wolves have broken. I will place you back in the pasture. The wind will call you by name and the rivers will not dry up. Rome free, my friends. Rome free. For John Harris, I'm Jay Coyle, and this is the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast. <laughs> <laughs>